everyone, and welcome to This Mom Loves. I am Kate Wynn. I am a mom of two girls, a teacher, a blogger, freelance writer, occasional TV guest, and a podcaster. And you are listening to episode 31 of the show. Today in my favorite things, I'm going to share a great nonfiction read. In the lifestyle segment, I will be talking about staycation tips and ideas. Right now, my family is in the midst of a summer staycation, and I got a bunch of ideas from my readers and listeners to share as well. And the interview today is a big talk about women and friendships with registered social workers Tracy Condon and Laura Kukuk. So we've got a great uh, great discussion planned for you all sorts of Q&A. I want to thank the listener who suggested this topic. She had sort of a specific thing about women and friendship she thought that we should talk about, and it led to a much broader conversation. So thank you to that listener. And just a little note about social work. I know when I talked about massage therapy on the show um, several episodes back, I just made a point of mentioning to people, if you have extended health coverage through your benefits in your workplace, I had said, you know, double check and see if you're covered for massage, because I know if you don't have benefits, sometimes things like that are not in the budget and I totally get it. But massage for a lot of people is covered and so is social work. So if that's something that you think you could benefit from, or um, you have a child who could benefit from it, it's definitely something to look into. I mean, if you live in Peterborough and the Corthas, you might want to look into Tracy and Laura's new business, CK Social Work. But no matter where um, in the country you live, or whatever country you live in, if your extended health benefits cover social work, it's something to definitely look into because it can be super helpful for a lot of people. So stay tuned later in the show for a big conversation with those two ladies about women's friendships. Kicking things off with my favorite things, I read a nonfiction book called Made, and it's by Stephanie Land. And when I first heard about it and picked it up, I thought it was going to be sort of a dishy tale of somebody cleaning other people's houses, but it was actually a lot more serious than that. So basically it is the author's story about being poor in America, pretty much being a single mom and trying to piece together jobs and she was cleaning houses. That was um, that was a job that she had for a long time. And so just to learn about the realities of being on social assistance, and we may have some preconceived notions about, you know, why don't these people go out and get jobs? Well, they do, but then what do they do with their child when they're at work? And what about when the money they're making isn't even paying the bills? Like it's a very, a very tricky thing, and it kind of helps you gain a little bit better perspective maybe of what some of these people are going through. Um and I just, I just found it a good read. And of course it's, you know, an American story, not Canadian, but I think a lot of the same things happen here in Canada. And so it's a good, uh, you know, good information to get. And of course, an entertaining, well-written book. And it kind of has a happy ending when you think that this woman came from what she was doing and then ended up writing a best-selling book about it. So that's a little bit of a, a nice ending to that story. And that was made by Stephanie Land. So I do want to tell you in each episode about a few past episodes that you might want to go back and check out. So I'm just going to mention four of today, and they are four of the most downloaded episodes so far um, of the podcast, in case you're interested. So episode number one was with Courtney Wilson, and she and her husband Dave host Masters of Flip on HGTV. They're originally from Canada. They're based in Nashville. Courtney's really popular on social media. She's very friendly and funny and and interesting. They have two sons, and then they also have a daughter, and they talk about um, about the adoption process with their daughter openly. And so that's something we talked about on the, the episode too. But she is a real estate agent. She does design, so we talked about a lot of that stuff, but she was willing to get personal and and, uh, and share interesting little stories and tidbits and some things I hadn't heard anywhere else before. So if you are a fan of Courtney Wilson or any of those whole home renovation type shows, anything like that, you might be interested in going back to episode one of this mom loves, and I'll have links in the show notes for this one too, in case you want to just click and go back. Episode seven featured Allison Bell and Allison is one of my best friends in the whole world. And she was willing to come on and really open up about resilience in her life because Allison has been through a lot. Um, she and her husband first struggled with infertility when they were, were trying to have a child. And then their first child, actually, they lost him at a day old. And she tells the whole story about, about what happened with his birth and, um, and losing him at that age. 
And then later on, she went on to have two beautiful daughters. Uh, after the one pregnancy, she did go through postpartum depression and had to deal with that as well. And then she has also dealt with cancer too. So, and she manages to do it with a, with a sense of humor. I mean, the, the story I like to tell is when I first contacted her about, I, at first I was thinking maybe a blog interview and then we decided on podcast and she said, well, I don't think I'm really all that inspirational. And I said, well, what about the infertility and the loss of a child and the postpartum depression and the cancer? And, and her reply to me was, oh, and the lactose intolerance. Don't forget the lactose intolerance. So you can tell she kept a sense of humor because all the antibiotics she was on when they didn't know she had cancer and they weren't sure what she had caused lactose intolerance, which, you know, is, is annoying in and of itself compared to the other things, maybe not, not as big a deal. But so she's got a great story of resilience to share, especially for people who maybe have gone through any of those things, but also for the rest of us just to, to learn about a great person like that. So Alison Bell was episode seven. My interview with Natalie McMaster, the fiddler, uh, originally from Cape Breton, and she now lives not too far from me in Ontario. She's the mom of seven and she... We had a really great conversation in episode 18. We just sat in my parents' dining room because that was a good place for us to meet. And she opened up about a lot of stuff. She doesn't do a whole ton of press. And we talked about a lot of things, you know, like about her marriage. She talked about meeting her husband and breaking up with her husband and getting back together and, and all of that. Talked about parenting, her number of children, her sixth child, um, Sadie, has Down syndrome. She was open about that as well. And a lot about music and just things that that her followers obviously were really interested in hearing about because uh, I know it was from a lot of her, her social media sharing the interview that I got a lot of downloads from that. So if you are a Natalie McMaster fan or want to learn more about her, that was episode 18. And the last one I want to mention today was my interview with Jillian Harris, who I'm sure a lot of you have heard of. Um, you originally might've learned about her way back when she was on The Bachelor and then had her own series of The Bachelorette, but she has an amazing lifestyle site now. She's huge in the social media world. And we talked about some of the things that, you know, you'd expect to hear in a Jillian Harris interview, but I also asked her things about like curating her Instagram feed and deciding what to post and kind of having her own brand and dealing with, you know, negativity that comes with that. Um, so I mean, for me, I just love having these interviews because I get to ask these people the questions that I would always have wanted to ask them. And then I'm assuming that there are other people out there who want to hear the answers too. So Jillian Harris was episode 22, if you are interested in that. Next up in the lifestyle segment, I want to talk a little bit about family staycation ideas. So we have decided this summer we're going to just do a family staycation. And next summer, the plan is to go to Ireland with my parents and my brother's family, kind of back to our roots from six generations ago. So this summer, we thought we'd just stick closer to home and do a little bit of a staycation. So I put a call out on social media and asked some people for, for their ideas, and I just thought I'd share a little bit with you. So staycation's obviously really popular because you can save money, save time, and not the same stress of travel in terms of flying places or going for huge road trips or, or that sort of thing. And some general tips, one is to ask your family members in advance for two or three of their top wish list activities to make sure that everybody gets to do at least a couple. And then it's not just one person's wishes dominating the whole staycation. And remember that everybody doesn't have to necessarily do everything. So one parent and child can hit the trail for a walk while another parent takes the other kids to the museum. I mean, everybody doesn't have to be a museum person and everybody doesn't have to be a, a trail person. You can meet up again at the end for ice cream. Remember that part of the joy of vacation is downtime and more so for some people than others. So don't feel like you have to schedule every hour and kind of take the cues from other people. Maybe you do want to schedule every hour, but maybe some of them want some more downtime. And it's also really good for kids to get bored and figure out how to entertain themselves sometimes. So that's another thing, no matter what you do, even if you are away on a vacation or if you're at home, don't feel like you have to fill their every moment with something to do. Even if they're stuck in a hotel room and they have to figure out how to keep themselves occupied for a while or in the car, although I know sometimes it's just for your own sanity that you try to keep the kids occupied in the car, which I understand too, but they do need some practice entertaining themselves. And do be willing to open the purse strings occasionally. A lot of people pick staycation because of the savings, which is totally understandable. And I mean, people have their own unique financial situations, so I'm not trying to tell you what you have to do, but you are saving an awful lot by not 
paying for you know transportation to a, a far destination. You're probably not paying a lot for accommodations. So to splurge for a meal out or to splurge for tickets to an event, something like that. And again, especially because that might be a compromise with someone else. Maybe you love the idea of just locking yourself in the house and not going anywhere and not paying for anything, but somebody else may love the idea of a restaurant meal or going to see a play. So again, just keeping that balance. Some ideas of things you can do, especially with families. So keep an eye out for free events. I mean, I know where I live, there are always, um, you know, free concerts and things going on in the park and shows and kids eat free nights at certain restaurants, free admission days at attractions, discount days at the movies. I know our local cinema is showing previously run movies every morning for a toonie. So if you want to give your kids the experience of the movie theater without paying what you'd have to pay for a first run movie, that's an idea. Staycations are also a great time to use up gift cards and rewards points. You might be surprised by what you've accumulated, and it's fun to feel like you're not spending any money there. Picnics are always a great idea. Food from home feels much more exciting when eaten at the park or beach, or even if you are just taking it outside at your own house. That might be a novelty to the people who live with you. Use up all the arts and crafts kits your kids have been given over. Kits your kids have been given over the years. I know my girls have all sorts of like flower crown making and stained glass this and you know all of that sort of stuff and sometimes you have little bits and pieces of everything left over you can also make them as gifts if that motivates your kids a little bit more or do them for some sort of special occasion but you probably have a lot of that stuff kicking around the house that you could use up and check local stores that offer free kids workshops I know Michael's and Home Depot are two that do as well there might be like a small fee for materials but they do things that are that are fun for the kids Take advantages of friends who have pools or cottages. And someday I'm going to write a post all about how to be a good pool guest. And it's not uh, not to get back at any bad guests because everybody who visits us is very, very lovely. And they give me nice ideas that I could share for, for how to be gracious when you visit someone else's pool. But most people like to see their pools being used. I know we grew up with a pool and my parents like seriously did love when aunts and uncles would bring cousins over. And even if we weren't home, they loved that they would just go around back, use the pool. It just kind of makes you feel like, you know, you're getting your use out of the pool and that you're able to do something for someone else. And people like to give in their own way. And that's certainly the way that my parents were able to give by opening up their pool. So if people give you the hint that you're welcome, then then take them up on that for sure if you want. Check out the library for reading clubs and other special activities. Outdoor movies can be fun. Um, the local drive-in too, and sometimes there's a car load night and things like that if you're again looking to save money. My issue with the drive-in is mosquitoes because I know you have to have your windows rolled down because it gets stuffy in the car. Mosquitoes. So if anybody wants to write in and tell me what to do about mosquitoes at the drive-in, that would be great. Get your kids to journal or document their staycation activities somehow, even showing them how to take photos and videos. Uh, photo editing, video editing are great uses of screen time. I know we always talk about, oh, no screen time, like it's so terrible. But if you're producing rather than consuming, I think it's amazing to see kids on devices doing that. Many church groups and organizations host strawberry suppers and beef barbecues, and often with a reasonable family price option to look into, and you're usually, you know, helping support their organization. Of course, the good old classics of board games and card games, so you can learn some of the new ones that your kids have and teach them what, what you used to play when you were young, which they usually enjoy. Now, here's something that might just be fun for me, but I think I have some kindred spirits out there. So if you are staying around for the summer, for any vacation time, have fun purging unneeded items, going through clothing and toys, books, household items. It might motivate family members if you plan a garage sale or some sort of online garage sale or even just to take a big um, a big load to drop off at a charity. And again, not fun for everybody, but some people really like it. And if there's some sort of you know goal to look forward to at the end, that can be fun. Find a local volunteer opportunity or way to get involved. So it might just be an hour or one day, and that's all you can kind of slot. Or maybe it's you know kicking off some sort of long-term commitment to help out an organization. But of course, we know that families that do these sorts of things together uh, stay stronger. So there could be soup kitchen, food bank, a charity fundraising event, animal shelter. You can kind of go with that, with something that suits your interests and availability. Farmers markets, local food stands are always great. And encouraging physical activity, of course, is beneficial for the parents and the kids. Maybe you want to try something new on staycation, like try the tennis courts, try rollerblading, try Pilates class. This might be something just for you, or this might be something depending on the ages of your kids for them to do too. And that might, again, kick off something. And so maybe all of a sudden you, you didn't realize you are a Pilates person or you are a tennis player and, um, and physical activity is just good for everybody. So 
Some of the tips that I received from others, Rajan on Instagram said, ooh, we are staycationers. TripAdvisor recommendations are the best or just asking the locals. So even if it's your own city, look up TripAdvisor. Who do they say are the best restaurants? There might be little um, out-of-the-way things that you've never even known about your own town that you can check out. Kellyanne on Instagram suggests treat yourself to breakfast or lunch. So even if staycation to you means just staying home, Go out for one of those meals. Breakfast usually less expensive than than going out for dinner, and uh, and I always love breakfast food, so that works for me. And again, it's just kind of about opening the purse strings up a little bit. Since staycations may still involve some road trips, maybe little day trips close to where you are, Charlotte on Instagram reminds you to take your favorite snacks with you. It saves you from many pit stops you may not have planned for. And I know uh, as parents get more and more experience, they learn when when and where to have the food handy and what food to have handy. So don't forget that. And just a quote I want to read from Michelle, who messaged me on Facebook about staycations, and she, she's got uh, something really interesting to say. So this is from Michelle. My husband and I used to staycation in Toronto every year before we had kids. We'd rent a fancy hotel room for two to three nights and just walk around the city, visiting the galleries and museums and restaurants we never had time or a budget to enjoy otherwise. I'd spend time in the spa, he'd read, it was heaven. Now that we have kids, we bring the boys. We still rent a hotel room because staying at home just reminds us of all the things that need to be done around the house and doesn't really give us that same feeling of being away. That's a little aha moment there. But now we choose a hotel with a great pool and we enjoy lazy days together as a family, swimming and exploring, pretending we're tourists. There's so much we take for granted where we live now in Whitby. So going on a staycation gives us the push we need to try mini golfing or visit the zoo or try the dozens of restaurants we've been meaning to but never have had a reason to visit. So in the end, my biggest tip would be to leave your house if you can. At home, it's too easy to fall into your regular patterns, and it's not nearly as exciting. Plus, hotel rooms are generally pretty boring, so they force you to find things to do. And thanks for that, Michelle, because if it is in your budget, I totally agree to try to get out of the house, even if it's just during the day getting out of the house, as opposed to just thinking, oh, I'll relax at home, and while I'm relaxing, I'm looking at the pile of laundry, and I'm seeing that the lawn needs to be cut and whatever. So even if it's just getting out of the house, doing things during the day, but if your um, if your bank account will allow for you to actually take the kids or you and your partner go to a hotel, stay somewhere else, that gives you the feeling of a vacation, maybe without having to travel away. And if you're interested in what the winds have been up to for staycation, I'm using the hashtag #WinStaycation on um, on social media, so you can check out some things that we have done. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes for this post as well. This mumloves.ca/podcasts, and this is episode 30. If you are looking for me on social media, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at thismomloves. And I'm on Instagram at Kate This Mom Loves. Website, of course, is thismomloves.ca. So I'm very excited to introduce my special guest this week. I have right here in the room with me, Tracy Condon and Laura Kukuk. They are registered social workers. They've actually gone into a new business together they're going to tell us about. Laura is a mom of three. Tracy is a stepmom of two. And they are here to talk about women and friendships. And we actually uh, have this topic because of a listener who sent me a message and was talking about someone she knew who had moved to a new city and was really struggling to make friends. And so that got us to uh, come up with a whole bunch of other questions and discussion points on the topic of women and friendship. So thank you for being here, Tracy and Laura. Welcome. Thanks for having us. So let's jump in right from the beginning. Why do you think it's so hard for women to make friends? It seems to be a struggle. We talked about this a lot um, in preparation for this. I think what we talked about is just, you know, as women, we're caregivers, right? We move into like a lot of us work full time. Some of us have side businesses and then we're taking care of our household and our, our kids. And, you know, where do you fit friendships into that? Like, how do you know where to make time for that and what that looks like? And I think, you know, sometimes we don't make space for that. Mm-hmm. And, and that and that can kind of get put on the back burner. And what advice do you have for someone who maybe like the woman I mentioned has moved to a new community and wants to make friends? I mean, whether it's how to meet people, how to approach them, how to go about the, the courtship of a friend. What do you think? I think, you know, um, what we've talked about is like making space to do that, right? So making appointments with yourself, whatever that looks like. And, you know, 
hopefully organically, then that might lead you to, to make friends. So maybe exploring a course that you want to take or a sporting event or um, for moms, taking your moms to a play, like your kids to a, a mom's play group kind of yeah. thing. And um, kids can be a great buffer. So it's a way of like approaching people. Oh, how old's your, your son or daughter, right? And so I think those are our ways to do it, but we have to do it actively. It's not something that's, it's not just going to come easily. Right. And I think, you know, when you're younger, you're in all these social situations like high school or college or university or whatever. And then as we get older, those situations shift a little bit and, and you have to be pretty deliberate about making a plan to make friends, which can sound a bit artificial, but you know, it has to become a priority and something that you can do. And there are so many things I find that you do have to almost schedule and plan. And when, when you're Absolutely. a grown up, like if you want things to happen, you've got to, yeah, got to make a plan for them. And yeah. I think that people feel that for friendships and socialization, we shouldn't have to make a plan. It should just happen naturally for us. Mm-hmm. And when it doesn't, then we're like, oh, maybe I'm not a good fit anymore. Um, how do we even go about that? So it's like scheduling sounds weird but it's something we have to do we have to schedule time just like we have to schedule time to spend time with our partners we need to do the same with our friendships Mm -hmm. we were talking about this morning like especially with new moms because that's kind of our area of expertise working with new moms and pregnant women um around like you kind of lose your sense of self becoming a parent right we become the main caregiver of the kids and our partners and our households and our careers who are we and it's like rediscovering ourselves again um so it again it feels weird but we have to go out and like try new things because i think that changes for us and what it used Mm -hmm. to be and take risks you know i think as women too sometimes we can struggle with confidence Right. And so every new shift in our life, we might like kind of feel a bit unsettled and it might feel like taking a big risk to approach a new person a bit, a bit becoming friends or to sign up for, you know, a spin class and you've never done spinning before. Like yeah. all of that can feel really scary if your confidence feels a little insecure. Right. Yeah. And so I think sometimes it's really pushing ourselves out the door to do that. And then. And, and, you know, we're often encouraging our clients to do that. We, we brainstorm with them. What's something you've always wanted to try and have been too afraid or, you know, what's an area in your life that you used to really enjoy? You know, did you used to love to paint before you became a parent or before you started your career? And what's in the way of painting now? Would you take a painting course and maybe meet some other people, you know, that like to do yeah. those activities? And we had a question from a listener. So she wants to know how how can you move from mom playgroup friends to more without it being awkward? And she says, "LOL, I am so awkward." So I mean, you're gonna get out there. You're gonna kind of make a plan, make time for it, go do some of those things. If you see someone who might be a potential friend, what do you what can you do? Mm-hmm. We were just talking about this this morning too, and it's like um, sometimes you just have to simply acknowledge the awkwardness, right? And like saying that, like this might be really awkward, but do you want to hang out? Like just being real about it. Um, and I, I think that's just not easy for us to do, right? But I think. Um, we were just saying we facilitate a new moms group um, and the whole goal of the group is increased socialization. But oftentimes as the facilitators, we have to help the group facilitation around. So how to socialize again, like reintroducing socialization, right? And it's so interesting because we think this would just come naturally to a lot of us, but we kind of lose some of that. Mm -hmm. So we have to kind of, I think, acknowledge the awkwardness around this. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I, I personally, you know, joined a sporting event and, a group and and I met someone there that I really liked. She was a married mom of four. And at the end of the group, she came up to me and said, this is ending. And I said to someone at work, so I've met someone that I'd like to keep hanging out with. (laughs) And she made it sound just like dating, right? Like, and it was, we, we got quite a kick out of it. So I think you can really acknowledge like this feels really awkward I feel like I'm about to ask you out or you know like yeah something make funny a joke like that. Make it yeah. light yeah. yeah can I get your number and and you know and go for coffee or go yeah. for a walk or and whatever. I think we'll maybe talk touch on this a little bit later too but um like kind of the influence of social media like I like to think in some ways it's it's been helpful right because it's sometimes a bit easier to reach out to somebody non-face-to-face right so if we've connected via Facebook and we've been following each other for a little while and then we can maybe get the confidence to reach out even just on a Facebook messenger and say, Hey, I'm going to go swimming today with my baby. Do you want to join me? Um, and sometimes it, um, it feels a bit more safe maybe. Yeah. Oh, and it's a yeah, good starting point. And then sure. once we have the face to face and hopefully it'll just kind of build from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
It's not easy. No. And if it doesn't, I think again, goes back to confidence. Like don't take that personally. Right. You know, as women, we have a lot going Mm -hmm. on. And so sometimes people can't make room for a new friendship and it has nothing to do with you. It could be they're having trouble in their relationship or they're suffering from like a postpartum mood disorder or anxiety or sometimes we're in the sandwich generation and we're caring for older parents and for children. And so I think if you take that risk and you, you know, take that first step and try to make a new friend and it doesn't work out, don't stop there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not personal. Usually it's usually because of a hundred other things, you know, getting in the way. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about friendships in the workplace, but let's maybe take a moment to talk about your workplace. The two of you are friends at work, (laughs) but you have a couple different things going on. So tell me a little bit about your work that you do together. Sure. So by day, we are social workers at the Partners in Pregnancy Clinic, uh, which is a family health team located in downtown Peterborough. Um, It's been in existence for 11 years and we work with, it's a prenatal clinic. So women in Peterborough have the option to come here for prenatal care and it's kind of a one-stop shop. They can see social work here, they can see um, dietitian, we have nurses on staff, and we are a bit unique in that we see uh, women and babies up to six weeks after. So we have lactation consultants on staff, and um, we, we have, yeah, kind of a whole wraparound service. It's really so, a concept. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's very exciting to work here. And so by news. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, by night, we say, um, we just in our work at PIPSI at Partners in Pregnancy Clinic as the social workers here, we started to notice a huge gap in the community around um, uh, social work or counseling support for women who are struggling with postpartum mood disorder, um, struggling with infertility, um, anyone who's had a miscarriage or stillborn. Um, child loss. Um, We were getting lots of calls from people in the community, like if they were a non-partners and pregnancy clinic patient, could they have access to us? And unfortunately, just the way funding works. Um, So we just thought, why don't we just see where this goes um, and try to kind of fill this gap in the community? So that's kind of what led us to CK social work, Condon Cuckoo social work. Um, And so, yeah, that's our evening gig. Mm -hmm. Great. So you are friends in the workplace, as I said. A lot of times we're cautioned about like romance in the workplace, not dating people that you work with and that sort of thing. What about making your platonic friendships at work? Are there any sort of downfalls to that or things to be aware of? What do you think? I think just acknowledging that it can be a bit complicated, right? I mean, obviously we spend most of our time with the people we work with. So friendships are going to bloom. Like, obviously you're going to find people at work that you have fun with, that you cope well with, that you enjoy eating lunch with or going for walks or doing whatever it's only going to be natural that you're going to be drawn to some people more than others and I think um it can make things a bit complicated so it's always just you know like I think approaching with caution but it's going to happen I think that's just normal like it'd be kind of sad to work somewhere and have no friends right so I think it, it, it does happen um but just be aware that it can complicate things like if you know, the friendship war to cool, um, what happens then, right? So I think it's finding a way to have, like friendships are so layered, right? So it's finding ways to have healthy friendships, but also if it does cool, being able to respect one another mm-hmm. at the workplace and be coworkers, right? And, and can that happen yeah. right, in a healthy way? Yeah. And I think like we both work a lot from kind of like, and also mindfulness perspective too, right? So it's the importance of just like doing what feels right in that moment, right? And not overthinking it. I think it's like, if that's what feels right in the moment, we're going to go with it. And then if things do cool, I kind of like that terminology, (laughs) um, then we deal with it as it comes, right? But I think like as women, again, like with, again, a lot of social media influence, we... um, we overthink things sometimes um, and we're afraid to kind of take our step forward um, in anticipation that things may not go well. Um, So sometimes I think we just got to go with it in the moment. And if things don't necessarily work out, handle it when it Mm -hmm. happens, but acknowledging that stuff. Mm -hmm. And also we don't have to be all things to all people. So I think sometimes in smaller workplaces, there's this you know, pressure to include everybody all the time. And then that can feel uncomfortable. Right. I think, you know, sometimes you're just naturally drawn to one person and you guys have something in common and you want to do that. Do you have to invite every single other person on your team? No. But can you handle that in a respectful, honest way? Yes. Yes. And, and not everybody wants that friendship either and respecting that, you know, Mm -hmm. I think 
on a small team, some people prefer just to come do their work and go home. And, and can you have a, a, a healthy work relationship with those people? Absolutely. You know, you don't have to have both. Yeah. And, and I think it's just, you know, it is what it is and, and trying to accept either when they happen. I know from my experience teaching, like in, in the school situation, you can become really good friends with people when you're working day in, day out with them. I mean, you're right down the hall and you're sharing all those experiences every day. I have found in some cases, people who I have been really close to, if they moved on to another school or I've moved on somewhere else, it's not that I've lost any care for them or respect for them or anything, but it's almost the convenience. And I know it's kind of sad to say, but I think that's probably natural that maybe those absolutely. friendships kind of go back burner a bit. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we've all had, you know, previous coworkers that we loved working with and mm -hmm. love to run into on on the street or, you know, love connecting with when you can, but it's not realistic that every single person that you have a close friendship with, you keep all the time. Right. Yeah. And I think that that can be hard. That can feel hard. You can grieve some of that mm -hmm. for sure. Um, but also know that that's really, really natural, you know, yeah. friendships ebb and flow all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I do think that, yeah, as women, especially we overanalyze that, um, and not accept it for what it is and that like to grieve it a little bit, but also like that we're just in different spaces in our lives. Right. Or we have different things going on. Mm -hmm. So, but, and, and I do this work with clients a lot too, because of the transitions of, of motherhood. Right. And mm -hmm you know, losing some friends that maybe aren't in a place of wanting to have children yet and, and how that changes friendships. And then we also do a lot of crisis and grief work, right? So when you've had a major crisis in your life, like a stillbirth or uh, even a miscarriage, like any of those losses or infertility, you know, there's a lot of grief there and there, your friendships change, right? You, you find out who can really be there for you in those moments. And sometimes mm -hmm. there's another layer of grief of losing people who you thought could be there and who couldn't for whatever reason. And so I do a lot of reassuring with women that that doesn't mean you're never going to be friends with these people again. Yeah. It might mean that mm -hmm. you might've learned from this, that they actually weren't as good of a friend as you thought. Yeah. But it might also mean that they, that this is just something, there's something going on in their own life and they just don't have space to, to comfort you right now. But it doesn't mean that you won't come back around at some point and have things in common again. You never know, right? Yeah. And I think trying to reassure that that friendships, yeah, there's, I mean, there's that saying like reason season, you know, like for friendships and, you know, some friendships, you know, like you do end them and that's okay. And sometimes it's a really healthy thing to end a friendship that's maybe not healthy anymore. Yeah. Um, but other times you can, that you can take breaks mm -hmm. and, and you may come back again later. Like you never know. Yeah. That kind of leads into another question I was going to ask. So motherhood or other big life changes can result in shifting of friendships. So mm -hmm. how can women best navigate these? For example, maybe you've gone through a loss like you've talked about, or maybe you've had a baby and your friend group hasn't, that sort of thing. Or maybe you're just the role of a friend who doesn't really want to hang around with the babies or whatever, yeah. right? So in terms of the time that you have to spend. Um, and kind of related, a listener wrote in to ask, why do so many women feel bad about prioritizing friendships as soon as they have children? So kind of in terms of all of that, what's sort mm -hmm. of your advice for how women can navigate those things? I think it becomes like it turns into a lot of the mom guilt and the mom shame, right? Um, and we don't know how to prioritize. And so it's almost like we have to relearn some of that again. Um, and I think especially if we're dealing with kind of all come back to like if we're dealing with postpartum mood disorder or postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, um, then that makes it extra complicated for us, right? Um yeah. So I think sometimes it's, it's figuring out what's going on in the mm -hmm. friendship. Like, is, is this actually, is it me? Am mm -hmm. I not able to engage even with the safest people in my life? Like, mm -hmm. a, do I need extra help for something like a mood disorder or anxiety or some self-reflection? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some self-reflection or is it, is it them? Is it, is it that, you know, we're just not in a place where we can be friends anymore? Yeah. You know, we've had, we had an interesting discussion talking about friendships. Like, do you have to, do you have to break up? Like, do you have to let them know? And I think not always, sometimes friendships can just cool. Yes. But if they're continuing to pursue you, you may have to have a conversation, right? Yeah. Saying like, I just, you know, whatever that can look like. Um, and, and the, at the end of the day, you know, Laura and I talked about how at this point in, in our lives, like as, as women, as adult women, you know, friendships need to feel easy. 
mm-hmm. and they need to feel safe and they need yeah. to feel like not a lot of work, Yeah, you know, and if they are feeling like a lot of work, what is that about, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, why am I continuing to do so much work? Yeah. Right. Is, you know, is there a way of, of easing some of that? Because we're working so hard in all the other areas. Like our friendships should be the easy part. Mm -hmm. It is a lot of self-reflection, right? But it's like at the same time as we say this, I wonder if listeners are thinking too, well, when like, I don't have time to self-reflect. So how am I going to do that? How am I going to fit that all in? So it's complex. Yes. And friendship should, I I think in theory, feel simple, right? Um, And I think that's part of like, again, in motherhood, um, we're rediscovering a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know a listener had asked, how can I maintain healthy boundaries in a friendship that has history but isn't serving me anymore? And like you just said, you don't have to necessarily break up. And I know they always say honesty is the best policy, but sometimes don't mm-hmm. you think just kind of phasing things out? Yeah. I forget what was the expression on friends when they did that. They tried to, they're talking about trying to get rid of a friend. They had an expression for it, but just to kind of cool somebody out of the group a little bit yeah. or whatever. Like I, I know sometimes I can think of friends, for example, where if they're just really negative and they just really bring you down and I don't think it's probably appropriate to have the conversation, hey, well, you're just really negative and you're bringing me down. (laughs) So that's why I'm saying no to laughing on the weekend. You kind of maybe just have to be a little more, you know. (laughs) Unless they ask you for the feedback. Yes. Right. Unless they come to you and they say like, I've noticed, you know, you know, trying to find a way. I mean, I don't think, you know, you can be maybe a bit diplomatic, but just, you know, sometimes I notice, you know, that, and I think those are hard conversations. Yeah. Like super hard. They Mm -hmm. are. And different groups of friendships that maybe meet different needs. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think like you may have a group of friends where you get together with and your moms and you talk about like parenting and being a mom and, um, the realness of that, but also you need a group of friends where you maybe don't have to do that, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. absolutely. you can just kind of disengage from that aspect of things. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that too. Like also like your partner can't be your only friend. Like that puts a lot of pressure on your relationship. Right. So Mm -hmm. diversifying is super important as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, maybe you need a, you know, friends that you do physical activity with and then friends like friends at the gym or something. And then a a book club or, you know, it's great to diversify so that you can spread it around a little bit too. And and you have people to call up when you want to do something social. Yeah. Does your book club have to read books? Because I, don't think, I don't think mine has read a book since probably 2017, but we still get together right? so often. But yeah, that's that group of friends for sure. Yeah. And I think it's like, again, too, we didn't really talk about this, but I am interested. It's like quality too versus quantity. Like yeah. I think, again, as moms, um, does it have to be every single week that we're in a friendship and socializing? Not necessarily, but if we have good quality connections, like even if it's monthly, um, it, it fills our cup, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the important part of things. But we also need to learn, and I think, um, you know, a lot of the women we see, and we would struggle with it personally ourselves, is like filling our own cup first. Like how do we do mm-hmm. that for ourselves so we're not seeking it only out of our friendships too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we talked a little bit too about like the power of no, like, so sometimes it is saying no when the social event is happening. And if your friends don't understand that or give you a hard time, you know, what does that say? Like a really hard time about it. What does that say about the friendship? Like we should feel okay to say, you know what? I can't do that this week. It's just too much for me. You know, can we take a rain check or but making sure you do take the rain check, right? Not always saying no and just isolating. Yeah. But and I think respecting each other too. Like I'm thinking of friends that I have, they know that I'm not going out to somewhere where we're out till 2am when bars close and like, it's just not me. So unless it was a very, very, very special occasion for a certain friend, they just would even ask, right? But I'm the friend that you would ask if you want to go for lunch or go to the movie or go (laughs) for a walk or whatever. So it's kind of just knowing your audience too, when you're inviting Mm -hmm. people to do things and and respecting their interests and their time. and, And also like, I know if you know that they have to pay for a babysitter, it's kind of like, you know, certain friends like, well, their husband's home in the evenings. So I could ask her to do this because she's got childcare covered. But if you know, she's going to have to pay for a sitter to go do what you're asking to do. That's Mm -hmm. probably not a thoughtful, Mm -hmm. right? So you just kind of balance all that out. And just figuring out what that is for you, right? So learning that about our friends, but also what's important for us, like being able to recognize, right? Like, I don't want to go to the bar at, till 2 a.m. and not just doing it because you feel like you have yeah. to. Mm-hmm. I'm we 
past need, that. Yeah. We need to reevaluate that in adulthood and as mothers and as women. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's super important. Mm-hmm. So we talked about, you mentioned quality versus quantity, and you were kind of talking about the time with friends, but it kind of brings me to the question about social media because it's also quantity versus quality with number, <laughs> number of friends. So how do you think social media has impacted our understanding of what friends are? you know, in terms of Facebook numbers and that sort of thing. I mean, I know the online world, I wouldn't want to completely put it down because as an introvert, there are so many things I would never have been able to do, like opportunities I've had or ways that I've reached out because I could email someone or because I could Facebook message and that sort of thing. So even in terms of relationships, there are some advantages, but clearly we know with social media, there are a lot of downfalls too. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think like we talked about, sometimes that is easier to get over the awkwardness of, you know, trying to connect outside of like a group or, you know, if you've met someone at the gym or, you know, if you think you have like a common interest and you want to take the friendship a next step, it's it's a little easier to friend them on Facebook and then send them yeah. a, a message. Just like dating. It's, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I think for people that are struggling or feeling, you know, low mood or anxious or isolated at home with a baby on mat leave or, you know, like social media can be a pitfall. You can, it's really hard not to compare yourself Mm -hmm. um, to the persona that people are putting online. Right. And and a lot of it is not real, right. It's very staged. It's very, you know, um, contrived. People are putting, you know, the, the pumpkin patch pictures and the first day of school pictures. And we all do those things. And it, and you know, I enjoy seeing my friends pictures on the first day of school and pumpkin patch. And, but when you're the one kind of struggling and, or it's, you're not getting those pictures or the the morning was a disaster or you're struggling with infertility or you've had a loss or, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that is really hard and really triggering. Right. And so it's hard to always be honest Like I've mentioned on social media before, I'm probably one of those ones that posts more of the good stuff and the pretty photos, Mm -hmm. but I have been open about the fact that like my husband's very private, Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to get on Facebook and say, so Jordan, I had this fight this morning about like, and that would be keeping it real. And some people do, some people bear it all out there or even with kids. Like I think people are a lot more open now, especially when they become mothers about sort of, Oh, baby didn't sleep last night or I'm going through this or some of those things that, you know, that they're willing to share. But as kids get older, like my girls are 13 and 11. So their stories are their stories. Like I don't get on now. Like, Oh, Livy was such a pill this morning or any of that stuff. Right. Whereas I know that would be keeping it real because I show lovely pictures of my kids and they are lovely most of the time, but they certainly have their moments. So please, please know that I'm uh, fully aware of that, but that's not the kind of stuff I'm going to put out there. And I think other people are probably, the same so the impression you're getting is the nice beautiful impression and kind of makes you feel down about yourself and I think it just like comes into like again our own kind of self-reflection I think sometimes we're just over analyzing what we're seeing we're assuming we're making assumptions right um and sometimes we just need to sit with that a little bit like is that actually what it is like um I don't know and and just you know doing a check-in and realizing that if we're having those feelings, it's probably something more about what's going on with us. For us. Yeah. Right. And it really is about the other person. Yeah. Because we all know online personas could never be a hundred percent of what someone's life is really like. Mm -hmm. Right. We, you know, it's just not even attainable. Like, yeah. Right. And, and I think there's just such huge pros and cons to it. Right. Because like I, like I referenced before, like some of the people that I see that are in major crises, like have, have lost a baby they can get some comfort online. They're not even ready to leave their house or go to a support group or even phone a support group. But, you know, in their house in the middle of the night when it's dark and they feel really alone, you know, they can go online and see that they're not alone, that there are groups on there and there are people to chat with. And, you know, so that's a pro, you know, but then, you know, they go on later in the day and feel super, you know, sad because they're seeing all these pictures of other people's kids. Right. And so I think it's, I don't know, it's a double-edged sword. And I think, Mm -hmm. but it's our, it's our current reality. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think we, again, it's balance. And I say that like, it's not easy to achieve balance. Um, and so that, that's what makes it hard. Right. But I think it's there. So we have to learn kind of exist within it yeah and and what feels okay for us like it might be managing your friend list and hiding some of people's yes you know hiding Mm -hmm. some people on there that you find super triggering or you know 
taking getting rid of some of the like high profile people that might you know not be super accurate or make you have like poor thoughts about yourself or you know or limiting the amount of time that you go on yes yeah um clean up your own feed limit your time yeah and and be strategic like don't go on on the first day of school like maybe right you know what's going to be on there yeah for sure you know and and maybe like that's you know I'm going to avoid it this whole week that's not going to be good for me but maybe the following week will be and for some people it's like valentine's day don't be on it if that's good you know like some of those things that might Now, do you find, I know with sort of tweens and teens, the numbers and the stats and all that stuff on social media are really big for them. Do you see with grown women much concern about that, like comparing how many Facebook friends or kind of the politics? Like I know with teenagers, it's like you've got to post your friend's birthday. And if somebody doesn't post your birthday, if you posted theirs and they didn't post them, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Do you think grown women are sort of past that or do you still see any issues going on with those sorts of things? I think, you know, maybe not the same kind of, you know, likes and how many likes did you get and did you, but for people that are struggling with a current relationship, you know, there are sometimes like grown women will say to me, well, I posted this Mm -hmm. and they never commented or they didn't like it or, but I noticed our mutual friend liked it. Yeah. Yeah, So I know they saw it Mm -hmm. and, you know, I think whenever someone gets into that a little bit, I, I do, I just try to chat with them about the relationship and like if if you're struggling that much with it and it's causing you that much anxiety like what would it be like to talk to the person about how you're feeling about Mm -hmm. the relationship you know I I think trying to be you know a detective online to figure out how someone's feeling about you (laughs) is is stressful and and probably not the best approach right I think if if you can take that risk and take that step and have a discussion face to face or really checking in with yourself at that point like what's going on for me yeah Yeah. that it's like consuming me yeah that I'm trying to see what they've commented on and if they've been online yeah you know and I'll admit I've fallen into that rabbit hole I was just gonna say like I know even with the blogging business and all that so I've got an app that'll show unfollowers on Instagram which is not really smart necessarily but a lot of times it's like businesses follow you and then unfollow you because they're trying to get their numbers and you know long story but the odd time I'll notice oh this person I know in real life has just unfollowed me and I mean no best friends or anything like that but you know just somebody where it's kind of like huh are they just cleaning up their feet totally. and maybe it's like you said maybe they just don't want to see my children because of what they're going through with theirs or right. whatever and yes. it's hard right? to not, how do we not personalize it and I was just going to say before you said that like we all do that like Absolutely. I do that Tracy's done that yes. like yeah. it's normal yeah. we can totally validate that yeah and I'm going to check in on it yeah and Laura and I were talking about this a lot before we sat down with you like yeah. you know we can we're talking from our with our social work hats on and yeah. what, how we help clients but we're also women with friendships right and by no means do we, you know, pretend to be experts in our personal life about this, right? It's, yeah. you know, it's interesting, you know, when you wear different hats and how it impacts you, right? We can talk about it from a more clinical perspective and how we deal with, with clients, but then we're also living life personally. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's super easy to start becoming a detective online, and, Yeah, you know, but maybe, you know, yeah, checking in what's going on with you that that's you know, you know, and and trying to let that stuff go because you have no idea what's going on with the other. What is this letting go you speak? (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting better. I am getting better at that. Okay. So this has been an awesome conversation. So anything we've missed about friendships, anything that you think we should throw in there before we start to wrap up? I think there's been a lot there about making friends and phasing Mm. out with friends and all of that sort of stuff. I think just like, you know, just acknowledging that it's hard like, it's just as hard as it was when we were in elementary school. Yeah. Even harder, I yeah. think. Like, then it just, we didn't care. We were super mindful. Again, we lived in the moment. It didn't matter. Yeah. And now we kind of are more analytical and we think it through way more than we should in those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to take risks. Yeah. And sometimes. I think try to, if you can, you know, try to approach it in a fun way. Like, this can be you know, as, as we mature and, you know, you know, or in our careers and our parenting and all the transitions that we make, it is a a time of rediscovery, right? And so, you know, take the opportunity to try things that you've always wanted to try. And that's how we build back some of our confidence. And that's how we can meet new people. And, you know, if you can take risks in that way, I think you can, 
you know, add to your life and, and, you know, help with some of this. We throw around like self-care and all of those things a lot, but what can that really look like? And sometimes it is taking a course or doing something that you've always wanted to do, but have just felt a bit afraid. Yeah. So the last thing I always ask my guests is if they have a, this mom loves or a favorite thing to share that listeners might be interested in. So Tracy, why don't you go first? Okay, I I really love uh, the app called Libby, and you can download audiobooks from. I got really into podcasts a while ago, so I'm yeah. excited to be on this podcast. And then, <laughs> and then that kind of evolved me into um, audiobooks mm-hmm. and finding out about Libby, which you can download, you know, books from your local library instead of having to purchase them all the time. It just really has changed. Um, my drives to work, my cleaning my house, you know, all of those tasks that feel, because I feel like I'm reading a book, mm-hmm. you know, like I get really into it. I'll be driving along laughing because of something that happens in the book. Yeah. And, okay. So I have a yeah. question for you because I was talking to somebody about this recently. Would you still say I read that book? I was wondering that. Somebody, I don't know. Somebody was saying, I don't think it's right. I think they should say I listened to that book or whatever. Yeah. No, I think for example, young kids learning to read. I think audiobooks are awesome, but they have a different place from reading print. Yeah. Right? So that's yes. a little bit different, but amazing if your kid wants to listen to audiobooks for sure. But just in terms of adults saying, oh yeah, I read that. I was wondering I would that. still just say I read it. Yeah, Because I'm familiar with all of the content of the book. Absolutely. I don't think you care if I saw it in words or... No. Yeah. Because I know everything that happened. Yeah, exactly. I just had it narrated to me by someone with a, like amazing, yeah. <laughs> you know, tone and sometimes <laughs> accent. And... For sure. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. Thank Thank you. Laura, what would you recommend? Yeah, you need to ask me the question again, Kate. Do you have a favorite thing to recommend to listeners, Laura? (laughs) Well, so it's such an interesting, it's like interesting that I've stumbled over this. I've been thinking about it a lot because Tracy and I were chatting about it. Um, So I like am extroverted by nature, learning to be a little bit more introverted. That's changed for me as becoming a mom, like spending time alone is harder for me to do. So I almost have to practice doing that. Um, so that would be one thing, but oftentimes I just am like, um, I don't listen to podcasts a lot or online books. Um, so just being quiet with myself, this is just new for me. So something I'm trying. Um, so, and then the other thing I was saying to Tracy, it's like, I just love getting my hair done once a week, like to set it, like blow wash and blow dry. Like you go somewhere to have it done? Awesome. And it's just try to make it last for seven days. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Which you know, is my thing lately. Yeah. I got oily hair. It wouldn't last that long. But no, that's really just cool. Make it work. Neat. Okay. So where can people go if they want more information on CK Social Work? So we have a website, yep. which is cksocialwork.ca. Okay. Um, that's probably the best place to find us and can book appointments there. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Tracy Khan and Laura Cuckoo, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thanks for having us. It's great. And that brings us to the end of this episode of This Mom Loves. I would like to thank my fantastic editor, Lucas Wojcicki, and thank all of you for being here. And if you enjoy the show, please, please, please rate or review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Tell a friend, even if it's just at the office water cooler, if you are able to share on social media. I love that. It's like Christmas morning for me when I see, you know, a tweet, somebody recommending the podcast or somebody has, you know, shared it in an Instagram story or something like that. It really, really does mean a lot to a small podcaster like myself. So thank you so much to all of you who have done that and to any of you who plan to do it. I really appreciate it. Until next time, have a great week.